0: So I am here with Debbie, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are? Sure, I'm Debbie Wimberly,
1: I am a certified cannabis coach, certified in medical applications, a certified life coach, 33 years of chronic pain and chronic illness experience. I have quite a bit of work as an advocate in the mental health field, And I love to educate and teach people how to improve their lives
0: with cannabis and other ways. So you actually graduated the CCEP program at the Cannabis Coaching Institute, where this is how we met. (laughs) But your life with cannabis, your journey with cannabis started well before you ever came to CCI. Would you like to talk more about that with us? Interestingly enough, I really got acquainted with what we called
1: marijuana back in the 70s, working in oncology with two amazing doctors. And they wanted to utilize cannabis for chronic pain and for nausea with the patients that we were treating. Unfortunately, MD Anderson out of Houston would not approve that. So I did have a good extensive knowledge and understanding, though, that cannabis could help with those things. And then in 2015, my doctors decided that they didn't want to treat my chronic pain any longer. And so that's when I made the decision to start trying medical cannabis. And then fast forward, realized that it actually was helping me improve other serious health conditions that I had. And so I've been on a journey for six years, learning everything that I can about medical cannabis and how to incorporate it and actually study what specific medical conditions are being improved by what cannabinoids and how.
0: That's amazing. So when you were working in the oncology department before, what was your role there? I was
1: a medical technologist. I actually wanted to
0: become a medical technologist to
1: understand how our bodies work. It's just kind of ironic how now I'm studying it through the ECS and understanding how our ECS works. Um, But we have a family medical history of thalassemia and it's something that we knew very little about when I was a kid and I actually carry it myself and I wanted to know why we have this and what makes it work and we still don't have all the answers but I can tell you using cannabis has taught me a lot because I've always been anemic until I started using cannabis and now they're telling me my numbers are normal And that's something I actually didn't even believe them when they first told me, but I do believe it has to do with engaging with my ECS. For me, we found out when they gave me a B12 shot when I was a young girl because I had no energy and they almost killed me (laughs) because you can't take vitamin B12 when you have thalassemia. So there's two forms of it. There's a minor and a major. And I have minor. It takes two minors to make a major. And we did have a family member that was a major and they have a very short lifespan.
0: And now your your numbers are normal? My numbers are normal.
1: Yeah, they won't admit to it being because of cannabis, but I've lived with this my whole life and I've been anemic my whole life and nothing changed until I added cannabis to my life. So you can draw from there what you want.
0: (laughs) So when you were working with these doctors, You had mentioned that they wanted to incorporate cannabis into what they were doing with their patients. Did they end up going on and doing anything with that or was it just nope?
1: Well, uh, patients were definitely using it illegally. We did not engage in much conversation because federally we could be held accountable if we were known to do that. So it was something that was, we were aware of, but we couldn't really address it, which was really sad. And it breaks my heart today.
0: When did your journey with using cannabis start? Like, I believe you mentioned some sort of timeline, but when did it actually start for you when you were using it?
1: actually started in December of 2015. My doctors just flat abandoned me and said, you know, well, they like basically said, we've had an office policy change and we're not going to treat chronic pain anymore or your, your crops, which is chronic regional pain syndrome, and sent me out the door without any thought or concern for my health or what mental well-being. Then I was on a search to find someone to help me and realized that there wasn't anybody that was going to help me because I was this was all due to the opiate crisis, whether they wanted to admit it or not. I was on 240 milligrams a day of OxyContin. And I don't know how anyone thinks you can just stop 240 milligrams of Oxycontin without there being some something horrific happening to you. And at the same time, I was in the middle of contracting MAC lung disease. So you cannot stop opiates in the middle of that. So I found myself in a hospital fighting for my life, unable to breathe on my own.
0: And look at where you, like, look at you right now. <laughs> it's
1: somebody- well, if you'd have met me six years ago, I would not be looking like this. <laughs> I was on oxygen. 24 hours a day, I was in a wheelchair, unable to walk. I had spent 30 years living in extreme chronic illness and chronic health. I had been submitted for a lung transplant because of COPD and denied because of the FDA approved drug, OxyContin.
0: You were denied because of OxyContin? Yes. They only want
1: success stories when they do a transplant. This is what my doctor told me anyway. And (laughs) OxyContin, they feel as a risk. So they weren't willing to do it.
0: When did you start to see a difference in your health?
1: Well, actually laying in the hospital fighting for my life, I made a promise that I was going to figure this out so that no one ever found themselves here. And that's where the shift started. But I had already started playing with cannabis, but knew nothing about how to use it. Uh, Because there wasn't anybody to help you. And that's when I said, I have to find out how to do this so that I can help other people. And it took me about a year to really learn how to manage my pain by taking courses from reputable places and working with other cannabis type doctors. And then about a year after that, I got the call that my lungs were improving. No doctor will tell their patient that I'm making this progress with my lungs and with my pain. I, I used to live in a pain of 10. I live in a pain of three now.
0: That's <laughs> something to celebrate. <laughs> that is absolutely a celebration. Great. Right. <laughs> you ended up going to CCI. Why did you decide that CCI was your next step in your cannabis education journey? I didn't feel like I fit in the cannabis industry because I do not make.
1: I do not grow. I do not sell any products. I study them. I want to understand how we improve ourselves. How do we engage with ourselves? And everybody's different. And so I had been on the track of becoming a coach, being a coach. I've taken I'm a life coach. I've done everything that I need to do to do that. But I find that living in the United States, every state's so different with what products they have, what health conditions can be treated, that being a coach is really hard. And I didn't feel like I was making the impact on the population that I needed to. So when I saw the ad on Instagram that there was a CCI and they were just starting a cannabis education program, I couldn't hit click fast enough and join. So after I realized that I could actually improve my pain, And reduce opiates in a safe way because once I realized that you can't just stop all your opiates at once, I searched and searched for a doctor that would help me by just prescribing my opiates but allowing me to taper down. And so he finally agreed to do that after much begging, which is sad that you have to do that, but I did. And um, then I started really tracking how do you really, how do you really transfer from opiates to cannabis in a safe and healthy way, because what we've been doing to a huge population of people is just pure torture, if you ask me, and it's unacceptable. And so that's when I started looking at, I'm not the only person that's able to do this. There are other people doing this. So let's study it. Let's find out, is everybody the same? Is everybody different? And the thing we find out, everybody does respond different. But there are some very big similarities and there are things that we can pull from that. So that's when I started that. And so that was like 2017 when I started building a website to actually collect all this data and be able to collect it and and look at it and distribute it just on the basic facts, not any personal information, but just this chronic condition or this chronic pain we can see that these cannabinoids work and this is why we think that happens we and it's also looking at your whole health it's not just looking at cannabis so we may be looking at diet uh, exercise um, meditation many different methods of of dealing with it. it's not just one thing that does this But you also have to understand pharmaceuticals. How do you reduce them? When can you reduce them? When is it safe to reduce them? I already went down that track. I wanted to make sure that anybody that's using cannabis has access to that kind of information. Because in the U.S., you won't find that in your doctor's office today.
0: When you are doing this research, who are you getting this information from? This information
1: has to come from the individual. Right. That is adding it to their health. It can't come from anywhere else. I look at it as holistic research. Uh, We've been doing traditional research, scientific research, and I don't have time to wait for that research to come about. I'm 64. I have serious health issues. And if I lose cannabis today, I don't know what I'll do because I don't have any other forms of treatment. So that provide me with this. I now know I didn't have to live those 30 years like I did. And so if you think I want to go back to that, you're wrong. <laughs> so that's why researching this and understanding it. And we, the patients, are the research. We're doing this. We're doing the hard work ourselves. But I don't want it to be so hard. I want to give people the answers so that they don't have to go down the track that I did Or maybe someone else did. So our stories become very important. Our results become very important. And it's also important to understand what does not work.
0: If someone is starting their journey with cannabis or if they've been on that journey for quite some time, can they just go to your website and sign up to provide you information? They can do that. I have put it on
1: hold. I have put it on hold since I went to CCI. Um, because I wasn't so sure the world really wanted to do this. I felt like I was ahead of my time because people need education. I have a medical background, which I think was a great force for me to figure out how to do this. But I think that people need education before they even know how we can study it. So I think that I had put it on hold, but now that I'm with CCI, CCIRS, as I call them, (laughs) um, I realized that there's a wealth of information out there that can be provided. And the good news is, is I allow you to share publicly or anonymously, because I understand the fear of losing a job, losing a child, backlash from your neighbors, your family. These are all things that are very real. And they're very important to me, because if you've lived in any chronic pain or chronic illness, stepping out of that into this world that I live now and being able to function is huge. And we don't want all those other negatives to come into play.
0: From where you were prior to cannabis to where you are now with the conditions that you still have, what is the difference? How do you feel? What what can you do now that you couldn't do then? Oh, my gosh. I no longer need a 24-hour caregiver. I used to have a
1: 24-hour caregiver, could not take care of myself at all. I can enjoy life with my family. That was something I couldn't do because when you're so sick in and out of the hospitals, fighting for your life on a regular basis, you can't enjoy anything in life because you're just surviving each day. I've gone through the track with suicide tapping me on my shoulder. Because I feel like I'm a burden to my family and a drain during those periods. My family didn't say that. But when you're taking everything they have to take care of you, it's a burden. So I live a life I never thought I could ever live or see again. And it's one that no doctor ever thought would be possible. So I'm just thankful every day to wake up.
0: That is absolutely beautiful. It's amazing to be able to sit here and talk with you and, you know, hear the happiness in your voice because you've, you've, you've done the work, right? Um, it's, it's
1: work. You're right. It's work. This is not come easy for anyone, especially when you've been in those depths to pull yourself out. But the good news is if you want to, you can do it. You know, my health's not perfect by any means. I still have serious health issues. But I live a life so much better today and I'm not on oxygen 24 hours a day. I still use it at night. And if I'm very active, I have to use it. But to be able to sit here and talk to you is, is so
0: wonderful. <laughs> what are you doing with that knowledge now? <laughs> what are you doing with this extra knowledge that you that you gained at CCI? I'm still pouring it
1: into what I'm doing at Effective Cannabis and, uh, and my podcast, Echo because there's nothing more important than hearing the stories of other individuals and bringing it in, but I'm also becoming and studying to be a thought leader for cannabis so that I can land on stages and educate the importance of our endocannabinoid system. If we don't understand that, we're not gonna get anywhere. One of the reasons I became a life coach is to figure out how to change mindset because we all live with a mindset That cannabis is harmful. If you were grown up in my generation, you went through the 60s, you saw what they taught in school, and the medical profession wants nothing to do with it. We have to change that mindset because it is not harmful. It's actually very healthy and helpful. I just want people to understand they get one life and one health to manage, and no one else lives it but you. So... Do what you need to do for you, because if you're not taking care of yourself, I don't know how you take care of anyone else.
0: I think that's really beautiful advice, especially considering there's so much stigma around using cannabis and it can be it can be hard for some people to want to even try to use cannabis because of their mom or their uncle or their best friend who who doesn't understand what cannabis is and what it can do for you.
1: Oh, I, my parents, my, my in-laws, I mean, that was just like, just like the worst thing. But when I had no choice, I didn't care. And I pretty much, you know, this is my life. That's pretty much the stance I took. And if I don't take care of it, nobody else is going to, and I'm really not ready to go yet. So it, it, that whole deal gave me fight that I didn't have before. I felt like I've asked myself a, a million times now. Why did I just not do something more? Well, cannabis wasn't available for me to do something more for most of those years. And I was Western medicine trained. So you just go to the doctor and take what they say and whatever they tell you to do. Doesn't mean I didn't try. I did five years of experimental treatments. I did all kinds of things to try to improve my pain. Denied a lung transplant. I don't know how else you can, how much more you can do. You can't get that. If that's what you need, but yeah.
0: So you had mentioned your podcast that you do. What, what is the name of it again? It's ECHO and it stands for Effective Cannabis Healing Ourselves. Amazing. And what do you, what do you do on the podcast? What is the podcast about?
1: We honor and celebrate the individual and the businesses that are making a difference in their lives and other people's lives. It's in the cannabis community, but if you actually, you know, do something with diet or natural foods, uh, that's all welcome. Because like I said, there's not just one thing that's got me here. It's been taking look, a look at all of me to make the changes mentally and physically. What are you currently working
0: on then? Just
1: recorded a new podcast that will be coming out next week. I have another one that I'm recording soon. I'm going to be on a podcast and somebody else's podcast uh, in June, but I'm also really excited about a new venture that I'm starting with a lot of the coaches and educators at CCI, which will be a new newsletter. That's a collaborative newsletter that we can share with the world so that we're all providing education.
0: That's amazing. And what is that newsletter going to be called? It's called Effective
1: Cannabis Newsletter.
0: (laughs) I have a business called Effective
1: Compass um, because I'm trying to work with people to teach them how to engage their DCS and how to deal with traumas and things that have happened in their life. If you've lived with any chronic illness or chronic pain, there's been traumas from that. But we all grow up with traumas and working on your full self, that's how I coach. It's not just strictly cannabis. I I usually will find you a cannabis coach to help you with that while we work on engaging the whole rest of you and creating an effective compass to guide you through life.
0: So uh, I wanted to ask you what books are you currently reading? I'm reading the confident body right now. Uh, It's just been out a couple of weeks
1: and it's a, functional approach to unlocking your full potential. I just love learning about all this stuff. So uh, one week it's my, and I do a ton of research, reading cannabis research and articles and stuff like that. But that's the book I'm reading right now.
0: And what music are you listening to this week? Oh, this one is always so much fun for me.
1: I'm a huge music person. I love music and I have been gathering and collecting music since I was like 15, so I have a constant replay or an automatic just run of the music that I listened to, and I went back and looked this morning to see what was the thing I listened to last, and it was Pink, The Ex-Ambassadors, and Shy Down. I listened to a wide range of music. There might have been a Christmas song in there, by the way, also. (laughs) That's one of my happy spaces, okay. <laughs> Christmas. And what brings you joy? The thing that brings me the most joy is waking up every day to live this life. Um, my husband, Nugget and Nash, my two dogs, uh, my family, but most generally getting to talk and share about cannabis.
0: The work that you're doing is incredible, and I can't wait to see what comes of it. Uh, thank you. I yeah, it's not a you know a
1: traditional study by any means, but there is valuable information there. In fact, there was something that came across this morning in our Slack uh, group about oral health and what do you see? Can vaping dry flower affect that? Well, over six years, we've been the people that we've been working with. We see no change and their oral health, so it doesn't cause a problem from anything that we know. Small group of people, but still,
0: it's something worth noting. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this work.
1: It's my honor. (laughs) It's my privilege to be able to do it. I'm thankful that I can.
0: And thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And the, the knowledge and the wisdom that you have through all the years and the things that you've gone through is really important for people to hear because there's other people out there that are dealing with similar things and they don't know what to do. Uh,
1: I appreciate you and thank you for having me here. I think that every voice matters in this conversation and the more we can get these voices out there for people to really see that there's major impact being made to health conditions with cannabis and understanding that and, and understanding it for yourself, not just following somebody else's direction, understanding you is really important.